This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hi, welcome to the Finding Holy podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales. I'm author of the book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs and the forthcoming book called A Spacious Life. Here at the Finding Holy podcast, it is our aim to help you connect the dots to the big things that matter to your everyday holy life. You'll get to hear my guests' laundry routines too because big things matter, but so does the laundry. Caitlin Beatty is a writer with bylines in such places as The New Yorker, The Washington Post, The Atlantic, and The New York Times on such light topics such as politics, gender, and theology. And she is also was the first female and youngest editor for Christianity Today magazine. She also works as an acquisitions editor at Brazos Press. This is a fascinating conversation about how the pandemic has changed life for women. We talk about the nature of power and influence. We talk about hashtag girl boss and why institutions matter. You'll want to listen in to this great conversation with Caitlin Beatty. Hello, friends. I'm really excited to welcome Caitlin Beatty to the podcast. And we're going to talk about women and work and identity and, you know, all the big questions of life. So it's great to have her here. Thanks for being here, Caitlin. Thanks so much for having me. You are welcome. You wrote a book a few years ago about women and work. (laughs) Yes. Is it correct that you're writing a second book on celebrity culture? (laughs) Yes. Very, very different topic from my first book. So yeah, I wrote A Woman's Place in 2016. And as you know, as a book author yourself, it is one of the best and most awful experiences that a writer can uh, sign up for. So I feel like I've like, gotten over some of the the trauma of (laughs) of writing a book that I was like, yeah, let's do this again. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I am currently under contract for a book on really on dynamics of celebrity in the church, not so much like Justin Bieber. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or, or women celebrities, which, you know, Kate Bowler um, wrote a great book that came out last year, the preacher's wife that explores just that very dynamic. Yes. Um, but more broadly about, you know, kind of, I think especially in a social media era where we feel like we have to be building platforms and right. seeking influence right. to do big things for God. And have we forgotten um, a vision of Christian faithfulness that is really about the ordinary and the unseen and things that don't mm-hmm. go noticed mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter or on right. Instagram and how we think of the measure of a life and yeah, yeah. I'm already preaching. I'm already <laughs> like, I haven't yes. read it yet and I'm already yes. like, I, I just recently read an article on this kind of hashtag girl boss, right? And the way in which perhaps the pandemic is poking huge holes in that narrative. And what this woman is talking about is that this confluence of feminism on the one hand and capitalism on the other. And so I would love for you to think with us together about what is the pull for women particularly Mm. towards celebrity 
and influence mm -hmm. and what might we be able to actually like leave this hashtag girl boss narrative for something better what i have observed among christian a lot of christian women is that they maybe they spend a lot of their time or a lot of their days or a, a large season of their life um, at home or kind of doing doing the kind of work that isn't going to get a lot of attention goes unseen maybe goes right. un like thanked mm -hmm. <laughs> Feel, feels thankless yeah but is nonetheless like a very important kind of labor and social media um, gives us all an opportunity to um, draw attention to the work that we're that we're doing or to carve out a space in our lives where we feel like we can use our, our gifts and talents and, and passion for God and love of neighbor for good. And for a lot of women, the path of influence is not going to be through traditional institutions right. mm -hmm. because traditional institutions are many of them are, especially in the church, are kind of dominated by men and maybe and, and many require that you be a male to, right. to kind of ascend to a formal and public form of leadership and influence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in in the vacuum of formalized women's leadership in many evangelical contexts, you have Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have, and you have book publishers yeah. who are looking at your Instagram numbers and saying, we can give you a platform or we can grow your platform. And so I don't blame any, any, I, you know, the search for influence and the search to use your gifts and talents for good things is laudable. Um, but I, I do think it kind of, it could come at a cost. And when we talk about the, the girl boss right. phenomenon, you know, I, to be honest, I, I've seen a lot more critique of the Sheryl Sandberg-esque, right. mm -hmm. go after your dreams, like tell little girls they can do and be whatever they want. I've seen more and more critique of, of that in recent, in maybe mm -hmm. in the past year, in part because it doesn't take into account systemic and structural, right. like racial inequality or socioeconomic mm -hmm. inequality. That's, obviously true but also because in a time of pandemic i imagine that a lot of women are realizing like yeah. oh no this this mission or this vision of my professional life when the rubber meets the road it just doesn't really pan out right it doesn't work <laughs> yeah trying i finished up a book during the pandemic which was insane while trying to make sure i had, my, my four children didn't fail you know their their various grades that you know they're in and to say like what the way of work does not work well <laughs> you know when everybody's mm -hmm. home under one roof and yeah so mm -hmm. I know that well and like an individual can go into a work setting or professional setting with all of the kind of gumption mm -hmm. and drive and aspiration to quote unquote have it all mm -hmm. um but an individual can only affect so much of how their life will play out. And if there are like attitudes or cultural norms or theological beliefs that are external factors into right. how you live your life, you can only do so much with your individual aspiration. Right. 
to change expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of our country, right, has kind of run on this aspirational individualistic mindset. And now maybe we're realizing Mm. because of the pandemic, because of the racial violence that is actually drawing attention to itself in a new way, I think right now, Mm -hmm. maybe we're realizing that that doesn't actually work. Or just that we have limits, (laughs) you know, and, and, and the reality of exhaustion and fatigue and people being physically exhausted and then also finding that their sleep schedule is super messed up and their children's sleep schedule is super messed up and the normal rhythms of like vacationing and getting away aren't available in the same ways. Um, I mean, I, I don't have children, but, and I can't imagine (laughs) because when I talk to my friends who do have children who now are at home, you know, who have been at home March, I just don't, I don't know how they do it. I know that's a cliche, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to navigate. We're being thrown into a national global new situation where a lot is unknown and feels unwieldy. What do you think, you know, if this kind of narrative of celebrity isn't working out, you know, if, if that really has been particularly for women, one avenue of influence, what do you see as the way forward or what, what other kind of frameworks or paradigms might we use to Mm. think about some of these sorts of things? A couple ideas come to mind and I'm like now being forced to realize that I have to not just name the problem in this right. book, but I also have to answer like, but what's the way forward? Right. One point of differentiation that I think is helpful and instructive is the difference between people you have influence over and people you're in re- relationship with. Mm-hmm. So you can have a hundred thousand followers on a social media platform we might say you have in some measure of influence over those people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I would imagine that that fi- that kind of influence is relatively thin and fleeting. Right. Um, whereas relationships are thick and mm-hmm. deep and long lasting and embodied and can you know, be sustained with or without like a viral marketing campaign. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and those kinds of relationships I think are oftentimes where the deepest kind of influence can happen. So they're not mutually mm-hmm. exclusive. It's not right. like you have to choose one or the other, but I certainly, yeah. I think as many of us experience a kind of slice of influence and mm-hmm. our kind of platform growing and maybe a taste of celebrity, we find that those dynamics can, act, dynamics can actually alienate us mm-hmm. from deep relationship or alienate us from other people. Like the more that we're visible, the less that we're known. Mm -hmm. And so, and so, you know, a a woman who is passionate about teaching other women, the Bible, who's to say that she, that her desire to lead like a Bible study of 30 or 50 women at her local church (laughs) is less important or less Mm -hmm. valuable than a woman who has hundreds of thousands of women buying her book, right? but they never hear her voice or they never mm-hmm. really know anything about her or her life. So, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. so that's one yeah. thought no, is I like think... just recentering the importance of embodied relationship. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that like our actual personhood matters in the scene and our place, you know, like that these things are mm-hmm. actually the things that form us more than mm-hmm. scrolling on the internet through Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the other thing that comes to mind is, and this is like a really big 10,000 foot kind of idea, but, and I, I talk about this in a woman's place that the, the need for women to occupy various institutions of social power and social, uh, fabric. Yeah. Um, and I, maybe this sounds like extremely old fashioned, but I tend to think that institutions that last beyond the lifespan of a particular founder or particular leader, regardless of like how much celebrity they have or don't have, like institutions are really what create lasting social, mm-hmm. spiritual change over yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it really falls back on institutions mm-hmm. to esteem and uh, kind of recruit more women mm-hmm. to, to be part of the influence that can happen both within and through an institution. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, shaping women's own vocational beliefs and and identity formation to think of that not necessarily as a requirement for every woman, but certainly a possibility mm-hmm. for maybe a lot more women than we've thought previously. Mm-hmm. Because that too, like you were saying before, provides this thickness to the social structure, you know, in the same way that embodied in place relationships do as well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I should write this all down so I you have should. <laughs> I can send you the audio so you can. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think we have this pull towards the celebrity culture? Like what is it about? And maybe even for particularly for women, being that we're both women and you've written a book on being a woman. <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah, and I'd also love to talk about the idea of power, which we both reviewed Kate Bowler's book. And that was one thing that was really fascinating to me in her book was how it really tended to come down to the issue of power. And I was a little bit uncomfortable with that because I think most of the time too, when we think about power, we tend to think not about influence like you're talking about. We think about kind of institutional structures. We think about often the abuse of power and particularly in ministry, I don't, mm. I don't, I, I, I wouldn't put power, you know, my husband's a church planter and like power is usually not the experience. It's much more likely it's, it's weakness mm. <laughs> and need that we experience. So uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on women and why the pull to celebrity as well as what do we do with this word power? I, I think of the way that whether we say it's nurture or nature, Mm -hmm. the way that a lot of women experience themselves to be highly relational and to kind of um, change hearts and minds through like the power of like vulnerability. Yeah. And like sharing honestly from some, from your own life to Mm -hmm. show like, I'm a hot mess. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Jesus loves me. Right. He loves you too. Right. Um, I think that's a very natural, um, it's like a tool, you know, like, uh, relation, a a certain kind of like relational connection 
and vulnerability and relatability. Yeah. I think a lot of women know that they occupy a certain kind of celebrity status or influence, but they don't want to overplay that or right. act like they're better than others. Right. So they, it's, yeah, it's the, I'm just a wife and mom kind of thing. Even Yeah. Though, like, yeah. but I need to make this palatable and not seem too, well, power hungry or like, right. um, to, um, what's the word? <laughs> Intimidating. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to tell you about like the cookies that I just burnt or like, you know, my, my kids are going crazy and mm-hmm. I'm eating, you know, Frito chips on the couch or whatever, right. whatever, like yeah. makes you, yeah. you know, uh, makes you seem just like any other woman. Um, so I, I think that relational power comes naturally for a lot of mm-hmm. women. I think, um, I don't know. I think I have a more positive understanding of power. I mean, obviously there are so many egregious abuses of power right. in our time that are being exposed and talked about. And, but I think of power as something that we are given by God mm-hmm. to, as his image bearers to, um, steward and shape, um, people and places and institutions, whatever we, whatever mm-hmm. context we find mm-hmm. ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would encourage women to maybe recast the notion of like a powerful woman right. as being, you know, a woman with shoulder pads who like, right. yeah, it, oh, the girl boss, right? You know, yeah, who is like, take no prisoners, no holds barred, right? Um, kind of per, a certain kind of like performative um, confidence. And think more about power having a theological mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. dimension and and is something that we can receive as a gift and then something that's meant to be stewarded well mm-hmm. and not not stewarded for our self gain but ultimately um, stewarding power for the good of others mm-hmm. we don't have a lot of great leaders, <laughs> you know, in front of us, mm. I think you do that well, probably, you know, either power is something that we stack up like Scrooge McDuck with the pile of gold coins, you know, or, mm. and then we hoard it or power is a weapon or power is, you know, something that you have to be really scrappy and fight for, which is often maybe how women kind of see it uh, often trying to find their slice of the pie in a man's world. Well, yes, it goes without saying that we would have a more positive understanding of power if power were, were wielded <laughs> better and more equitably. Yes, yes. And the reason that women feel like they maybe have to like um, compete with one another mm-hmm. or take down others or um, have a very like performative kind of edgy way of displaying their powers because they have been denied, denied yeah. it in so right. many ways. Right. Small, so. Yes. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. 
Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, Bow offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. What does that look like for you personally? You know, how have you, as a speaker, a writer, an author, um, you're also an acquisitions editor, you know, how, how have you tried to walk this line of not seeking celebrity, you know, mm-hmm. being embedded in your place? How are you living this out? Mm-hmm. Having a proper view of power is stewarded for the good of others? Well, I would say my my daily work as an acquisitions editor with Brazos Press is probably the the most important or most kind of central daily way that I feel that I'm stewarding power because mm-hmm. I'm developing an editorial program and there's a lot of decisions uh, to be made about the kind of edi- editorial program that we want. Mm-hmm. And going back to the notion of like relational capital and relational power, mm-hmm. like so much of my work is about establishing rapport and trust with with authors that we want to work with and ultimately giving them a platform and being okay with like, this is not ultimately about me. Very few people are going to know that I edited this book. Right. (laughs) It's ultimately about um, highlighting and giving a spotlight to this other person. Mm -hmm. And I'm, am I comfortable with that? And Mm -hmm. like, as an Enneagram three, maybe I've had to grow a little bit, (laughs) but it's like, it's grounding to be part of creative work where I'm not the public facing Mm -hmm. person. It's, Mm -hmm. it's ultimately the author. Mm -hmm. So that would be one way. I think just, you know, as I continue to use social media to like share things that I'm writing or highlight, you know, speaking engagement or whatever, um, coming to peace with the fact that I'm not going to act and look like a lot of other Christian women's mm-hmm. like ministry leaders. Um, in part because I'm single, like I, I the, the kind of right. like marriage and family, um, dynamic, just that's not there for me. Right. That's not right. going to be something that I kind of, uh, make part of my brand. Right. I mean, I that's a really gross way to put it, but like, yep that's one way that I feel different or, mm-hmm. um, like living in a city, right. uh, like living in an urban center or, um, yeah, like being very, I'm, I'm, I'm not drawn to like flowery language, which I realize is a stereotype of like women's <laughs> ministry. I'm right. not drawn to like pour my heart out right. Right. in a post. I'm, I'd rather like point you to something cool that I read. Yeah, for sure. You know, <laughs> and, and just, that's like what my email newsletter is. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I'm just like, here's something I read. That's really cool and interesting, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yeah. As that, as these spaces are like more and more occupied mm-hmm. with Christian women who are establishing a platform or have something to say, or want to point people to their writing, 
having all of us just be okay with the notion mm. that there isn't one mold. Mm. And I think it can be tempting to sacrifice authenticity for the sake of market palatability yeah. and branding. Yeah. And that makes me really sad because we're not all called to be Beth Moore. I love <laughs> Beth Moore. But one, I'm never going to have like spirally hair like she well, I does. Think her hair is amazing. So <laughs> I have no idea how you even do it. <laughs> like, I think we probably all have, and like any, any woman kind of writing and speaking in this space probably mm-hmm. has like an icon or like an image in her mind of how she should be or what she should look like or whatever. And I just, I, I really genuinely believe that God gives us a diversity of, of gifts and perspectives and, um, life stories and that no one is like better than the other and that you know it's it's really about the message the heart of the message and mm-hmm. the perspective that you share is that that's the thing that we should be highlighting rather than like do you look good on tv <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you have the hair and the earrings and right right yeah the whole anyway. shebang yeah I mean, yeah, appearances, especially for women, a hard part of this whole conversation as well. Yeah. And, you know, we have a social media platform that is very visual. Right. It's no, um, it's no coincidence that, like, there are so many more women than men on Instagram and um, just coming to terms with, yeah, coming coming to value authenticity over numbers, I think mm-hmm. has been mm-hmm. important to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And relationship and institutions over influence. What would be the way forward for, you know, a woman who might be listening to this podcast or man? You know, as they're considering some of the things we're talking about, what might be like a practical thing that they could do? You know, if they're finding mm. themselves sucked into like, Oh gosh, look, Joanna Gaines and look at her house and <laughs> <laughs> or or even or going, look at how do these women have so much time to like read all these interesting things I feel mm. like you know, I don't or I don't have those big thoughts in my head or um mm. yeah, I, what do we do with some of this this conversation? Well, it seems like an obvious thing and I'm not very good at it, but I definitely think taking social media fasts has been really helpful for me. Just, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a screen time report on my iPhone Mm -hmm. that is almost always like painful to look at. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait, I spent that much time on average this week looking at my phone. Um, and especially like, you know, my Twitter is like my, that's the platform that I enjoy the most and that feels most natural to me. And like, when there were the protests kind of nationwide mm-hmm. a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, I realized that I was, I think I was maybe spending more time on Twitter than working. I don't know. It was, it was not good. Yeah. And I started to realize that my screen time was affecting um, my emotional regulation. Not yeah. that there, I mean, obviously the things that we're learning about and continue to learn about are like naturally upsetting. And I, I don't, I don't want to err on the side of like complete disengagement, Yeah, but I do, I do think we, we need to find ways to disengage for a time. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that that much time in front of us, any kind of screen is good for us. 
And then also, like, how does it affect our ability to relate well to our neighbors and to kind of rest in, like, the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit? And so, I don't, you know, whether the fast is like one day a week or whether it's certain times of the day, that's Mm -hmm. been really important Mm -hmm. to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And being willing to go, like, I think what is, what can be scary about the idea of a fast is that you would miss something. Yeah. And like just coming to terms with the fact that you will. Yeah. And your world will not end. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, yeah. If there is an emergency, you will find out by people you're in relationship with. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Anyway. that's great. I think that's a wonderful practical step. Thanks. Well, I would love to know as we conclude what your laundry routine is. My favorite question. I get to hear everybody's real life. <laughs> so I feel in, in this, this part of my life, I feel is like relatively easy because mm-hmm. I'm only doing laundry for myself. Mm-hmm. And especially in, in the pandemic, I mean, I live in an apartment in New York that has an in-unit washer and dryer, which Ooh, is wow. like, you fancy. know, it's not fancy yeah. in and of itself, but like in New York, that's yeah, like a, Yeah. That's fancy New York style. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we, my roommates and I have been especially grateful to have that during the pandemic when like yep. the laundromats we don't know if they were open right. or particularly sanitary. Anyway, yeah. So that's been great. I probably I do a dark load every other week and a light load like every month. Okay, so you're wearing your your dark colors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And um, unfortunately, I I have quite a few pieces of clothing that need to be dry cleaned yeah. and I'm learning as I get older that it's maybe not worth buying clothes that can only be dry cleaned. <laughs> yeah. That will quickly add up. So I think that's my I love it. basic laundry routine. That's good. Yeah. And do you have, well, but you're still having to work within community, right? Within the relationships right underneath your nose, right? About like, yes. okay, whose turn is it for the washer? And yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's usual that like someone's using it at right. any given time. So I see a lot of like clothes hung up around the apartment yes. and have to ask about putting things in the dryer. And yeah, there's always something to negotiate. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's worthwhile, right? For those, yeah, thicker relationships <laughs> yes. even with laundry. So thanks right. so much, Caitlin. It's been a pleasure and yeah, we'll look forward to following along more stuff and all of the news outlets that you're writing and as you continue your good work on celebrity and women and whenever that book comes out (laughs) yes thank you thank you for having me it should be out in the fall of 2022 all right a few more years but you can still get her book a woman's place (laughs) yes thanks ashley yeah I have a really fun new project in store. I cannot wait. And so you'll be hearing, I hope, from Caitlin later as we continue to discuss this question of women and influence. But for now, I want to leave you with one small step as you connect the dots between things that really matter and your everyday holy life. And it's something really easy. 
but maybe a little bit hard, is I would ask you to consider taking a social media fast. Maybe you want to take a week off social media. Maybe you want to definitely just turn your phone off on Sundays. But remember, friends, we are formed by what we ingest. And social media, without some limits, can malform us quite easily. So when you take a social media fast, Caitlin reminds us, you're going to just have to come to terms with the fact that you will miss something. You'll miss out. But realize that this is not the end. Maybe when you take a social media fast, you'll begin to open up feelings that you or anger <laughs> that you're processing or sadness or grief or loss of social disconnection and social upheaval. Fast ultimately will point you to the things that are good, true, and beautiful and remind you that you have margin in your day and you don't have to be formed by pixels on a screen. Thanks friends for being here. Take a minute, review, rate this podcast. It keeps the conversations going. So if you're someone who loves deep conversations, you love important conversations, something interesting to add to your own laundry routine, take a minute and subscribe and share this episode with a friend. It makes all the difference because big things matter, but so does the laundry.